Okay, kids are released. Release the children. (laughs) Hide the valuables. How's everyone doing today? Good. Well, we have a, we continue our series in the book of Philippians called Joy. And uh, before I start, I just want to offer a warm welcome to uh, Alan's family and Sheldon's family. We're really happy that you're here. Um, uh, any other friends or guests, we, we welcome you here at City Bible Church. We've been looking at um, Philippians on a series called Joy, where Paul has been encouraging us and exhorting us to have joy even though our circumstances are very, very difficult. It's very counterintuitive, isn't it? Uh, At the time of writing, Paul, the writer of this letter, is in prison, and he's chained to a Roman guard. The church is facing strong division, as we heard about last week. And so between his imprisonment, uh, his physical affliction, and then relational division, how can you have peace? Well, he's going to challenge us today in chapter 4, 4 through 7, because he's going to challenge us that we ought to seek the peace of God and to rejoice in our times of anxiety. So our topic today is anxiety. How does God want you to respond when you're feeling anxious? Does anyone here struggle with anxiousness? I think it's a, it's a real human concern. And we all struggle from one extent to another, some of us debilitating. And there's really, according to the Word of God, there's really two doors. One door of anxiety can lead to more idolatry to make us feel better about ourselves. We feel this anxiousness, and we want relief, and so we partake in things that are not healthy for us. Maybe we watch too much entertainment. Maybe we participate in different kinds of uh, immorality. I'll just put it that way. There's kids present. Some of us, we have unhealthy eating patterns, unhealthy shopping patterns. We do things that lead us into more trouble. It's a byproduct of anxiousness. But this world is full of trouble, so it's not wrong to feel anxious, but how do we respond? In today's scripture, we're going to see also that Paul lays out for us four imperatives or four admonishments of how we can respond when we're feeling anxious. And it goes against our thinking. He's going to say that we should be rejoicing, that we should let our gentleness be made known to all, that we should stop worrying and to pray and to unload all of our cares to him. And it's a challenge because we have so much anxious thoughts. Maybe you're anxious about your financial situation today. You know, what are we anxious about? What are you anxious about? Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you're worried about repossession. Maybe you're worried about foreclosure. Maybe you came upon money, but that brings its own stress. Maybe you're dealing with how you're going to pay for school or what happens if you lose your job or how are you going to make ends meet. What is your source of anxiety today? The stock market's up. The stock markets are down. My money is frozen. Maybe some of us are anxious about our health. 
uh, in the church recently. A lot of us struggled with, with COVID. We had family members that were sick. Uh, I just got a call this week. My mother, unfortunately, um, you know, her health took a negative turn, and it, it makes me uh, obviously not happy to, to feel that. Paul, you just went through a trial. We're so glad you're here and that God is sustaining you, brother. But some of us have conditions or our children have conditions, serious, and it brings anxiety into our heart. Relationships, maybe you have a rift or a conflict with someone at work, maybe your sibling, maybe your partner, your spouse, your child. It's a source of anxiety. Or maybe you're, you feel alone. You feel isolated and you wonder, will I ever be able to have a good, strong relationship with another person? Am I too messed up? Did I make too many mistakes? We worry about our past sins. We worry about the skeletons in our closets, the things that we've done. Can God forgive me? Will another person accept me? We worry about our future. Will I pass the exam? Will I get licensed? Will I be able to continue to work? Can I work in this country? Will my paperwork go through? Are you guys all feeling great now? Happy day. We're talking about anxiety. Sorry. I didn't even talk about the news. You turn on the news and, oh, you know, the economy is going to crash. $10 for gas. Great time to do a road trip, okay? I didn't even know what monkeypox was. But now I have something new to be anxious about. It's a serious matter, isn't it? All these things bombard us. What keeps us up at night? What gives you anxiety? Am I speaking to anyone here? The name of the message today is this. Oh God, deliver me from my anxiety. It's like the Psalms. Oh God, deliver me from my anxiety. And it might be a misnomer, really. But I thought that that title, David in the Old Testament would write it like this. When we cry out, I wanted to capture the desperation we feel. Because sometimes, for some of us, just get into a loop, and we just worry. And we can't stop it. And the more we worry, the more we go into this pattern that's not healthy for us, but it affects our mental health, it affects our physical health. But I would submit to you that according to the Word of God, the underlying issue is spiritual. So deliver me has the impression that God can instantaneously heal you. And just like physical healing, it's possible. We serve a living God. But it might not be instantaneous. It might be a process. So we need to have patience in the process. The other thing of the title, Oh God, Deliver Me From My Anxiety, is the term, my anxiety. And I don't stand before you like, oh, I've never had anxiety. This is a, about a struggle that I've had um, from when I was a child growing up, um, throughout struggle with anxiety, with depression, and I feel that by God's mercy, His peace, which we're going to talk about today, has been like a guard, it says a guard over your emotions and over your thoughts. That's what we're going to study in the Word of God today. And the idea of my anxiety is we have these patterns that we, and we're so used to this journey with anxiety 
that we think this is just the way I am. This is part of my personality. This is part of, of my identity. And I want to challenge that today because as we look at the Word of God, anxiety is something that we encounter, but it's not owned by us. It's something that afflicts us, but maybe we, not, we might not want to identify with it. So before you dismiss what I have to say, um, we're going to read the Word, and we're going to ask God to show us and open our eyes to some things. I know this is a difficult topic. I know it's a sensitive topic. So if you're able and you're willing, would you please stand for the reading of the Word? Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Even though sometimes when we hear these commands, part of us wants to resist it because we've struggled so much with anxiety. But I pray, God, today that you would reset our minds and help us approach anxiety in a different way, in a godly way. And I pray, God, that many of us here who struggle and suffer with anxiety would experience the peace of God in a new way by the power of your word, and by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So um, today's plan, as we see here, um, this is the, towards the end of the book of Philippians, and Paul has been giving us a backdrop of a lot of theological uh, information about who God is, and at the end, he's giving like, a, he's like a coach at the end of a timeout saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. Get back on defense, okay? Don't let him shoot, all this stuff. He's just giving you a bunch of commands. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And look at one of them. One of them is, do not be anxious. That's not easy to do for us. And so we're going to look at these four commands, to rejoice always, to let gentleness be made known to all, not to be anxious, and to pray about everything. But before we get into that, let me just be real with you. How many of you have heard a do not worry message before? <laughs> okay, if you're anything like me or, or people that I know, it goes something like this. Now, I was talking to my daughter, Alexis. My daughter, Alexis, um, she started college very young, and she has a lot of pressure that she puts on herself. Perfectionism, she has imperfect parents who mean well, okay? But she's feeling pressure. She started to feel pressure when she would have a big assignment. And her pattern was something like this, is that she's struggling. She has a big assignment. She feels the pressure of the assignment. And so the source of the pressure, and so what she'll do is she wants to get away from that. And that's called procrastination. And then you procrastinate, and then that adds what? More relational pressure because group members, parents, Professors, they want 
or bosses, they want a delivery of the product, which brings more anxiety. And what people do, and I'm not talking about Alexis right now, but when we feel pressure, we can feel it in our mind and we can feel it in our body even. And we just want a release of that pressure. And a lot of us, we struggle in many different ways. Some of us go to alcohol. Some of us go to drugs. Some of us go to pornography. Some of us go to uh, other ways to release stress that's unhealthy. Some of us go to eating habits that are not healthy. Some of us try to shop our problems away. There are many ways that we as humans, in our natural fallen state, we try to cope with the negative feelings that we feel. Is that true? And it's hard. And when Alexis, when I see her suffering, she's so lucky because not only am I her father, who, and I'm a great guy, but I know the Bible, and I'm a professor. And I'm a chauffeur because I drive her to school every day. So in my great wisdom, I'll say something like this. You need to be diligent. Does that help? Oh, come on. That's true, right? You need to work hard. Oh, and then I see, you don't understand that? Um, How about this? Jesus said, do not worry. That works, right? And I'll hear something kind of like this. You know, Dad. If it's just as easy as knowing these facts, I could do that myself. <laughs> but this is not helping. And I was thinking, oh, wow, that's so true, isn't it? Sometimes we look at a passage like this. So right now, when you see this passage, a lot of us do this. And what I want to do is, before we get into it, I want to open your ears a little. There are common, oops, ooh, there are common responses to a do not worry message. One of them, Garen, I might have to go mic, uh, wireless in a minute if, if this doesn't work. Eh, we'll figure it out. One of them is we feel you don't understand. Have you, have you felt that way? That you just don't, I see it saying pinch it. How about you come up right here and just hold it for the whole message? <laughs> you just feel like you're like this, okay? Okay, you with me? You don't understand. Well, I want to say that Paul, who wrote this, he does actually understand. He understands because he's going through difficult circumstances as well. And the difficult circumstances is he's in prison. And he is contemplating, oh, thanks. He's contemplating that he is, he's in prison, he's hard-pressed. And let me just tell you a little bit about the author of this book. A little bit about this author is that he was shipwrecked, he was imprisoned, he spent a night in open sea, he was beaten so badly that he was left for dead twice. So we're talking about someone who can understand suffering, you agree? So it helps to know that this is coming from someone who has suffered. The second response we have to a passage like this is we say, you don't really care. Maybe you don't really care. When you tell me not to worry, maybe you don't care. And it's really important that when someone is opening up their heart to you, sometimes your role is just to listen, not to fix. But the word of God today is meant to help us with this. 
is that when we think about it, Paul is someone who cares greatly. It says earlier in the book that Paul, every time he thought of the Philippian church, he prayed for them. And every time he prayed for them, he felt the joy in his heart. So it's obvious that Paul cares very deeply for the people. And then the last thing that we say when we read a passage like this, where we try to cover our ears, is we say, this is just the way I am. I've always had this struggle. And hear me out. I am not having an expectation that we get over anxiety instantaneously. Could God break it off us? If he wants to, he can. For me personally, it was a process that was punctuated by a couple moments in my life. But I want to challenge the thought that this is just who I am. If anxiety or our struggle with anxiety could not change, why then would the word of God give us these exhortations? Because the word of God cuts stronger than marrow and bone, dividing soul and spirit. There's, some, there's a power in the word of God. So we have to have faith that God's word in the power of his spirit can actually free us from some of the struggles that we have. The second thing is part of our anxiety is that we might need to redefine what our main focus is. I was talking to some of the men in the church who will be preaching this summer, the mighty men. And all of us, we have some, some anxiety about public speaking. Uh, who am I to preach the word of God? And when I was in high school, I couldn't get in front of a group. I couldn't speak. I had to have other people speak for, for me. But what changed as I grew and matured is what matters most is the word of God, the gospel, and the people. And that's what mattered to Paul. If you read Philippians, everything he's about is about the gospel, the worthiness of the gospel, and other people. So if you define your life's value, not in and of yourself and your own needs, and, uh, but you re-de- redefine that as, I'm really about the gospel, I'm really about loving others, all of a sudden, you get beyond yourself. But this is the one that I really think will encourage you. The Holy Spirit is not impatient with you. God has not given up on any of us. And even in this passage, if you want to write it down, in chapter 125, Paul refers to the faith walk as progress. What does progress mean? Does it mean you just arrive? No, it's a journey. So likewise, your battle with anxiety may be a journey. It may be progress. It may be a couple steps forward and a step back. So don't have an expectation that God is necessarily saying, you must stop this sin for the rest of your life. Of course, we're supposed to be holy, but sometimes the process doesn't work like that. And it says also in one six, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That means you are God's artwork. You are the Holy Spirit's project. And the scriptures say that God himself is going to finish the work inside of you. It means God's working on you. God's trying to free you from anxiety. 
And Paul himself admits that not that I've already obtained all this or I'm not perfect, but I press on. And that's what we're called to do right now is we're called to press on. So if you're someone who's been struggling with anxiety, press on. God is patient with us in our process. Okay, are your ears open now? All right, let's get into this word. The first uh, admonition, okay, in, in verse 4, is to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, when you have a computer that's not working or functioning properly, um, which I have before the first service, and ironically before the second service, I'm fighting the, the printer. I try to do all sorts of things at home, and I yell at it, and I have my wife laughs at me, and you know, I try not to say curse words and things like that. Sometimes you just have to reboot and start over. Okay, you have to uninstall and start over. We are like that sometimes with anxiety because we have certain patterns in our life. There's some circumstance or we bring something to the circumstance that comes into our life and then we have a pattern of how we've always responded to it. Maybe you're fretting about it. Maybe you just can't get it out of your head. Has anyone have a cycle like that? And what God wants to do is say, let me break the cycle for you, child. And so the first way we break the cycle, the way that God wants to reboot our minds is we rejoice in the Lord when? What does it say? Even when you lose your job? Even when your, your mother is ill? Even when you get a call, like Jen's mother, we get a call from a caregiver in Taiwan that her mother had a fall had, and had emergency brain surgery. And then we start to think, okay, how are we going to get to Taiwan right now? How are we going to do that during COVID? How are we going to get all the paperwork? How do we help my mother in, in the Boston area and your mother in Taiwan? How, do you, you, you know the problem? And so you can just get into this frenetic, but God, we, what we did is we said, let's just pray. God, thank you that she's alive. And I'm not saying it's easy, but how do we respond to these things? Even in difficult circumstances, we rejoice. We don't rejoice in the bad things, but what do we rejoice in? We rejoice in who God's character is, and we rejoice in what he's done in our life. And so, practically speaking, Jen and I will do something like this. Okay, Lord, this is a terrible situation. I'm really concerned about it. But you've always been faithful to me. You've always been faithful to my family. And, and then you remind yourself and you thank God for the things he's done and you rejoice that he cares. In a, couple, a little bit of theology, how can we rejoice, be glad when times are bad? In Romans 8.28, it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Sometimes God uses circumstances that are terrible, and in time, it becomes a beautiful thing. That even when we don't understand what God is doing, he can turn that around for his good, even though in the moment we don't know how or why. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Amen.
So even when we don't quite understand why am I going through these setbacks? Why am I going through these difficulties? I, I used the illustration this morning. Um, my wife's testimony didn't know her. Didn't know her uh, father and her, you, you know the story, and her mother was uh, involved in, I don't want to say criminal activity, but unsightly activity. She grew up in an abusive environment, very, very difficult. And it was the type of thing where you would say, what good can come out of this? There she is. God has done a work in her, and when she gives her testimony, hey, you know what? I suffered like that, and this is what God has done for me. And it's, it's a wonderful thing that in the moment, in our anxiety, we don't know why God allows it at times, but we have to have the faith to know that God is working behind the scenes. He's setting something up. The second, and I want to give one illustration, is Pastor Chris last year, uh, about this time he was in the hospital, maybe a, a, a little... I think it was in May. I don't remember the, the date, but I visited him and he was on the, the verge of life and non-life. And he was contemplating a lot of deep things. And he made a decision that he was going to rejoice in that moment. And he was very positive when I saw him. And uh, I'm sure he had his fears. I'm sure he had his moments. But he made a decision that I'm not going to despair, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. And that's a decision. And that leads to the next admonition. Because now that he's rejoicing in the Lord and being glad in who God is and saying, I don't really understand this, God, but I see you've been faithful through my life. It says next, let your reasonableness and the translation should be something like gentleness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. What that means, the Lord is at hand. It means God is very close to you spatially and temporally. What that means is Christ could return at any moment. And if I said to you that tonight at, you know, 4.15, it's all over. At 5 o'clock, God comes back, and it's all over. What would that do for you? The Lord is at hand. It means the time is short. And so the things that we are anxious about, the bad relationships, the strife, that we heard about last week, if you knew God was coming back right now, maybe those little strifes between individuals would become less. Or maybe we would be challenged to shape up a little bit. For those of us who are not gentle, maybe we would be a little bit more gentle. Um, What I find is that when I don't rejoice and I don't pray, believe it or not, I can be a little short and rude to my family members. I was like, you know, D'Amico's like, no way, Mike. (laughs) But all of my family say amen, right? (laughs) They all know. They all know. And you're like me, okay? When we have something in the undercurrent of our lives, it makes it very difficult for us relationally, doesn't it? Because what happens is when we are worried about something, what we really want is peace, And who can give us the peace? We need the peace of God. But what we do is we try to go to people in our life and we try to get peace from them. And they can't give us what we need. And then we start to say, you're not being sensitive or you don't really care about me. Well, they might care about you, but they can't fill your deepest need. What you really need is the Lord to fill that need. And you might discover this about yourself. And then what do you do? You isolate 
and then you isolate in your anxiety. And it says in the Word of God in Proverbs 18.1, anyone who isolates themselves makes themselves prone to destruction. So that's, that's tough. We have to be in community as a church as we are struggling with anxiety. We rejoice. We let our reasonableness or gentleness be known to all, knowing that either God is going to come, and for some of us, we need to have that warning, and for others, we need the deliverance. We know that this life is very temporal, and God is here to deliver us. Okay, here's the third one. The third admonition is do not be anxious about anything. Ooh, that's, that's not easy, is it? How is it that we can have the posture, do not be anxious about anything? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, And actually, you're right. Because the translation in Greek means what you care about. And what's happening when you're anxious? Okay, follow me here. When you're anxious, what you're doing is you're focusing on an area that is God's domain. An area where you don't have the control. But we want control. We want good outcomes. And worrying many times and being anxious is trying to control something that is uncontrollable. This world is not controllable. People are not controllable. But we like control. We like safety, don't we? And so Martin Luther put it this way. He said, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. In other words, those things that you worry about, your future, your future health, all these circumstances out of your control, you release it and you say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about that. But then you ask the question, how is it that I can give this to God? Who is this God? Is he trustworthy? Well, for those of us who know him, we know him in the face of Jesus. Let me just read a passage from Matthew 6, verse 25. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body and what you'll put on. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither snow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour of his span of life. I love this because Jesus is appealing to two types of minds. For some of you and for some of us, I ask you the question, do you believe that God cares about you more than he cares about the sparrows, the birds, nature? God takes care of them. Do you know that he takes care of you? Yes, I know that. No, do you really know? Do you really know you're valuable to him? Sometimes we have to really think and meditate on it. And for those who are more analytical, maybe you engineers out there, okay, not naming names. Jesus says, you don't add any days to your life if you worry. In other words, worrying is illogical because it doesn't change anything and it doesn't do anything for you. So if you need the emotional value, like you're more valuable than birds, there you go. And if you just want logic, worrying does nothing for you. Why, you know, worry about each day. Each day has enough worries of its own. 
Does that make sense? Oh, this leads to the, to the next admonition right here. It says, but in everything by what? By prayer. And I kind of hinted at this, is that this is a spirit issue. And what happens is when we start to loop in our mind, we start to be anxious, we stay up late at night, we get really worried. It has a physical effect on us. And I've already listed some of the things we do that are unhealthy patterns. Let me tell you what I do personally, and I'm not saying this is what you should do, but I do want to challenge you. I was talking to an individual recently who struggles um, with substance, has old bad habits, and when the stresses of, of work or the stresses of life come upon the person, they have an old pattern that is practiced. Okay, We all know what those old patterns could be. It could be substance. It could be doing and seeing things you shouldn't do, but it brings temporary relief but it doesn't bring lasting relief. What my advice was is that your body needs a physical release. So do something spiritual with your body. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. For me, last year, uh, I was at my work, and there was a lot of cuts and a lot of jobs being lost. And I'm thinking, I'm a sole breadwinner of my family, and I got five kids. I need to take on more work. So I would get to work and I would start my class at eight in the morning. And then I took this other job at the work and I wouldn't leave the office till 11 at night. And I did that for months and I started to feel unhealthy. I was physically unhealthy. I was spending all my time in my office and I was like, you know what? I got to get out of this room. (laughs) I got to just, and what I would do is I would walk around the campus and I would walk around Azusa campus and Citrus College. And it's a, it's a mile and a half. And I would say, I'm going to walk, and all the way over here, I'm going to pray for my family. All over here, I'm going to just tell God all the things that I'm, that I'm struggling with. For some of the walk, I was just like, okay, God, tell me something. What do I do? And guess what? Sometimes I had to do two laps. And at the end, I felt tired, but I felt like I needed to do it. And God used that time to give me peace that I don't really understand. I don't really understand how that happened. And you think about it, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus had anxiety before he went to the cross. That's why he went to Jesus. I mean, Jesus went to the father and he said, if you can take this cup of suffering from me, please do. What did Jesus do? He would go to the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. And Judas knew he would be there because Jesus did this as his habit. Jesus would walk. Jesus would hike. One time he walked on water. I don't recommend it for you. (laughs) <laughs> but he did. He would, he, Jesus would often leave the situation and walk and pray. I would encourage us, I don't know what that means for you, but I would encourage you to do something and get yourself physically out of the situation you're in and retrain your soul and your mind to do something different that's spiritual. And it could be different for each one. Another thing that Jen and I do is we go to the gym, and when I go, I just listen to the Bible, and I listen to the Bible as we're exercising. I don't know what it is for you, but I would encourage you to do that. And let's look at the next section, the last section. We rejoice. We let our gentleness be known to all. We stop having, we stop worrying, and then we give, we unload on God, and somehow it says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This word guard is similar to a sentinel, 
a, a number of soldiers standing guard. And your heart is your emotions. When we feel anxiety, our emotions go all over the place, don't they? And then our mind goes all over the place. It says, out of uh, the depths of the, ha- the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issue of life. What's going to guard our heart? The peace of God. The only thing that can really guard your heart is the peace of God. And it says that if we stop worrying and we unload and we pray and petition with a good posture, with thanksgiving, he will give us his peace. You have a card in front of you. Um, you, can, you can take that card out. And, you know, we do this, we write things down, but I want this to be really heartfelt for you. And I want to share a story, and then you're going to have an opportunity to give God some of your own anxieties, okay? Because we want to reboot our minds. We want to train ourselves to handle our anxiety in a different way. I mentioned that um, when I was younger, I I struggled uh, with anxiety, and that anxiety would lead to depression. And I would say about uh, 10, maybe 12 years ago, uh, I came home from work, and I was allowing all the anxiety and the cares of this life just to affect me to the point that it was hurting our marriage And it was making me distant with my children because I wasn't fully present because I was always worried or thinking about and and ruminating on these areas of anxiety. And I was with, I was praying to God uh, and I remember it very clearly. And please understand, it's progress. It was a long journey. But uh, that day I was parked in the yard under a lemon tree and God freed me of so many things. And I can't explain it to you because it's unexplainable. But I was a person that was struggling with anxiety, with depression for many years. It was just part of my testimony, part of my path. And I want to challenge you and I want to challenge, and I don't like to share this because I'm not, I'm not proud of it. If anyone struggles with these areas, it's not like you're like, hey, look at this. Look what I have. You know, it's not, it's nothing that I like to talk about, but I share it to let you know that God is alive and he, this scripture is real. And I don't know what the timeline is for you, but these practices work because it, because it freed me. It lifted off me. It's like a garment of praise and it lifts off the spirit of heaviness. And I've, I'm a different person. I want to challenge you that for some of you, you might, do you think that you're going to be exactly the same struggling with the exact same issues 30 years from now? I don't think so. I think God, we struggle with different types of sins and God can and will set us free. Does that mean we never sin or we never have a setback? No, but God can free you. He can change you. He changed me and I don't know what it looks like for you. So um, next slide. What I want you to do is on the card and, and make it, Garen did a good job this morning. This is a guide that I think might be helpful, but make it your own voice. We're not going to be sitting here reading this, but we want you to be able to give these things over to the Lord. Okay, so as we have, you know, there'll be some music and you can write these down. I would like to challenge you to write down 
Lord, I rejoice in you because. So what are the things? Because the first verse is about rejoicing. I rejoice in you. I'm thankful for And then tell God what you're thankful for. Lord, I confess I have anxiety about. And then you can write to God what, you're, what is really weighing you down right now. The anxiety that you feel like you can't get rid of. Help me to give you this anxiety and stop worrying about it. So I come to you, Lord, with this petition. And then just tell God, ask God to help you and to intervene in that situation. You can use your own words. And for those of you who studied the book of Psalms, and we did a series on Psalms last year, if you look at Psalm 34 or even 54, but Psalm 34, David does exactly this. David is in a very tough spot. He's, he himself is about to be killed, and he writes a psalm of, I extol you, Lord, and then he talks about, God, deliver me. So take some moments and write your own prayer to God of how God can release you from some of these sources of anxiety. So we'll take a few minutes, um, and then after a few moments, you can put them in the bucket, and... Um, Nate will be playing some background music and then we'll transition into worship.